Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm Dave Cornoyer, and you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this episode on November 21st, 2021, and I'm joined as always by our producer, Adam Rosenhart. Hello, Adam. Hey, Dave. How's it going? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Oh, you know, just uh, spending my weekend in uh, observing the provincial political shenanigans on Twitter this weekend of the UCP convention or board yeah. meeting. I don't even know what it's called. It's a, a well an annual general meeting. We're we're Adam and I are in in Edmonton this weekend, but uh, uh, down in Calgary, conservatives are gathered uh, for the. Uh, first in-person annual general meeting that the United Conservative Party has held since 2019. They had a virtual AGM last year um, because of COVID um, restrictions, but um, but this year they're back in person at the Grey Eagle Resort, Grey Eagle Resort and Casino. Um, and uh, I mean, a lot of the talk has been about Jason Kenney's leadership, about uh, you know uh, uh, plans or, or a push by 22 constituency associations to move the leadership race from, or but I mean, move the leadership race. Well. There might be a leadership race coming up, but move the leadership review uh, from April 2022 to before March 1st, 2022. So there was a, um, a, a identical motion that was passed by 22 UCP constituency association boards trying to uh, trying to force the uh, provincial executive and, and the leadership of the party to uh, to move the uh, move the review before there. And there's a, there seems to be while. Conservatives, you know, put on a brave face and tried to project unity around uh, around Kenny this weekend, which is, you know, that's what conventions are for. You know, it's a big show. It's a big production, literally a big production. Um, you know, there's there's definitely still a lot of uh, of big fissures in this party and uh, and big fractures, fractures, canyonist fractures in this party. And, uh, you know, um, Kenny was expected to survive the convention because there was no leadership review this convention and, you know, wasn't expected he was going to, there was going to be a, a coup or anything this weekend, but, um, you know, he still uh, faces an imminent threat of, uh, uh, to his leadership. So, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see. It's an ongoing, I would say, <laughs> we were talking, talking with Adam before, before we started recording how this just feels like such a slow motion, yeah. uh, uh, slow motion political train wreck. And, uh, you know, it, despite everything that's everything that's happening it seems uh, you know it seems possible that kenny could survive could 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 survive this leadership challenge and uh, and lead his party into the next election and and who knows what uh, you know what that'll look like if they're able to turn stuff around in the polls or you know how many mlas are going to decide you know they're going to look at the polls before the next election and decide uh, you know maybe they'll take a pass at this one if uh, if it, if their chances at re-election don't look so good do you do you think that they had thought maybe months ago that this they could brand this the best AGM ever and then they they decided to pull back a little bit? Yeah, yeah you know, I think that uh, that brand is a little a uh, little tarnished from tarnished. Uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, I'm sure we'll see them give give it a, give it a break for a little while. I think that the the theme of the convention or the slogan for the convention, at least for his leadership or um, Kenny's uh, address to the convention, was uh, Alberta is back, which sounds uh, which a, a number of commentators. Uh, noted that sounds uh you know pretty pretty close to uh, justin trudeau's uh, uh slogan canada is back or canada's back so um alberta is back alberta is i mean we've never really left we're we're present <laughs> <laughs> alberta is here alberta is here we are definitely here yeah um yeah so we'll see i'm sure we'll have more uh, by the time the, the next podcast rolls out uh you know the the next uh, the next uh, phase in the uh in the ongoing uh saga of the united conservative party and uh, and jason kenney's uh, leadership challenges so may i make are... a may i make a humble suggestion that the outro music to today's pod is uh guns and roses welcome to the jungle in <laughs> honor of the cabinet ministers all coming out to welcome to the jungle yes the 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 uh, the bear pit session that cabinet ministers held at the at the convention um they were welcomed into uh welcomed uh onto stage by welcome to the jungle which which is a song that i i you know i, I hear on the radio but like um i do you guys ever played garage band in university or yeah you know, that's that was always a song and then you know you think about the lyrics and it's just like wow did anybody actually test those lyrics or or check those lyrics before they before they uh they started playing and that voice you guys heard our listeners the uh, the third voice that just popped up because we haven't had a chance to introduce him yet. Happy to introduce him now. 
uh, Edmonton City Councilor, newly elected Edmonton City Councilor Michael Jans. We are thrilled to have you join join us today on the on the Dave Berta podcast. Michael, welcome. It's it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is I think it's your your second or your third time on on the podcast. Third time. Uh, the last time you were on here, you were uh, you were on the serving uh, as a trustee on the Edmonton, Edmonton Public School Board, and we did a great primer on uh, on on public schools and private schools and charter schools. And I'll put a link in the in the show notes to go back to that because that's that's still a lot of that stuff is still very relevant. And it was a really great um, just like a really great overview and a good primer of of how the how the school system works in this province. So. That was great. Now we're, you know, you're 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 no longer on the Edmonton Public School Board. You were on the on the school board for for eleven years, I think, uh, before you were elected um, uh, in uh, in October uh, to Ward Pap in the new newly newly formed Ward Ward Papisteo, uh, which is kind of uh, for for listeners who aren't familiar, it's kind of the Strathcona Southwest, like North Southwest Edmonton. Uh, it goes down to Aspen Gardens, kind of follows the river around Strathcona, and I think you go. I think the the eastern boundary is Milk is the Mill Creek Ravine. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's kind of kind of takes uh, takes that area. It's very much uh, Rachel Notley Rachel Notley land, Heather McPherson land for for those who are familiar with the provincial and and uh, and political boundaries. So, Michael, we're 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 thrilled to welcome you on the podcast. First of all, congratulations on your election. Yeah, and thank you both. Uh, uh, thank you for the the support and having me back and. Uh... Uh, obviously, it's such a great honor and uh, really, really excited to work with this new council with Mayor Sohi and uh, all of the community leaders who uh, who helped out through the campaign. There's so much work to be done and uh, really excited to just be getting right into it. That's great. And how, how was how was the campaign? How was how was campaigning uh, for an election during the COVID pandemic? Because you was campaigned really before different and, for school board. But like, what was the difference between between that and, and now? Well, actually, I think the three of us, um, we all were involved together in the 2007 city council campaign, which helped uh, Don Iveson beat Mike Nickel for the first time. And uh, That's right. it was uh, exciting to see. Um, it was exciting to see Mike uh, rack up another, another L. And <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it just shows, you know, that kind of politics in, in Calgary and Edmonton, both with Jeremy Farkas and Mike Nickel were both resoundedly uh, rejected by voters. I would say it was a, and, and I've talked about this before, it was a very different election. Um, there's a fragility out there and a, a, a uh, there's a lot of raw wounds still out there in the community. Many homes I went to, the residents were quite emotional on the doorsteps. I can think of numerous adults who were crying, talking about the loss of a loved one to COVID, uh, a mother who introduced me to her three-year-old who was awaiting surgery but couldn't have it because of the hospitals were full. If you, if you actually remember, like this campaign really happened over the summer during that record heat wave into mm -hmm. August when there was so much anxiety about back to school and we were going to rallies trying to fight to get protection from for COVID for kids. And then the hospital, the the collapse of the best summer ever into the into the catastrophic fourth wave. And um, if you if you look at this election as a point in time, it really was uh, very quickly clear that this wasn't an election in Edmonton or Calgary about, you know, municipal property setbacks or LED lighting and street posts. This was a this was a send Jason Kenny a message election. And uh, Jody Gondek's team has said that. I think we heard that from um, to some extent from Sohi's team. It's certainly on my campaign. I felt that on the doorsteps immediately. Um, the number of Edmontonians who who just really, really were like it was a it was a different tone out there. Door knocking was different. People were I don't know that we quite come to grips yet and had closure with the uh, I believe almost 3,000 Albertans who have died from COVID and, and just the, the ramifications um, to all of us who have, who have either lost loved ones or had anxiety about kids being sick or, or um, just the, uh, the other complications. It, it was a different, a different election. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I heard that from other, um, from other candidates as well who commented about how knocking on doors, like other candidates and volunteers for other campaigns were saying that, you know, when they were knocking on doors, uh, people were, would would point, you know, they would they would bring up Jason Kenny's name, or they would just just point blank ask the ask the person, you know, what provincially, what 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 party do you support? And as just like kind of an indicator to figure out, you know, like because that was that provincial, despite having a federal election right before the municipal election, and you know, a, a lot, you know, there being a lot of like really relevant municipal issues, um, you know, COVID and this 
kind of overarching political or provincial political scene just kind of sucked up all the oxygen and, and was really on on the top of people's minds, especially as we, I mean, during the during the the municipal election was we're like going through the height and uh, through the through the fourth wave of the COVID pandemic. And you're right, I think you're right. It really is a scar um, uh, that uh, uh, it's going to take a long time for for a lot of people to get to, you know as as a community as a society to uh, to get past this and process this. And and I think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of politicians, especially provincially, and I'm talking about Jason Kenney, who who really kind of want to move past this really quickly. And I think that there's a lot to a lot of processing that a lot of people need to do. And and um, because it did affect, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, I think it's I think it's now more than 3,100, more than 3,100 Albertans have died of of COVID, and um, you know, not not to mention the you know the the jobs lost and the the well, trauma. just the emotional fray on our For nurses, sure. on our firefighters, yeah. on our teachers, on everyone that um, has been responding to either COVID or the downstream effects of COVID. Like I had paramedics who were um, just fried sharing with me that they've been working back to back to back and the, the challenges that um, are out there in the community. I mean, um, I mentioned this at a council meeting, like we should have some sort of a monument or some sort of a candlelight vigil or something to, you know, collectively, share and and process and move through this grief and and i think to to not do so is is both a disservice to those we lost but also to to um uh the the collective contributions of so many who have given so much over these last few months i mean i think about just the anxiety of the teachers in the classroom who have been um working uh day in day out doing the best they can to deal to deal with covid and uh yeah it's it's um we we need closure we need closure. And how how is that? Um, how how do you think that's affected the tone? Or how do you, like you've you know you're, you're you've now been a city councilor for for a month. You've you've had a chance to meet some of your colleagues. You've had a few city council meetings. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a lot to jump in, and and you know, there's a lot of a lot of transitioning and a lot of uh, a lot of you know a, a steep learning curve for for every councilor, uh, especially the with the number the large number of new councilors that are are. Uh, or on this city council here in Edmonton this time, um, ha, like, do you find that mood is reflected with with your colleagues on council? Absolutely, and maybe if I can go back a little bit to, mm-hmm. to to the campaign. I mean, election night, the big party when you usually have one or two hundred people together drinking beers, getting ready to laugh or getting ready to cry. Um, this year, it was me and three volunteers in a boardroom, basically trying to get ready for results to come in, prepare a video statement, send it out. No party, no nothing, no beers. It was just, uh, okay, one beer. But it was very, <laughs> just a, a very um, anticlimactic closure. Then mm-hmm. we haven't been able to really have a volunteer appreciation party. We haven't really been able to wrap up the campaign. We, we immediately, the day after the election, you're in a rush to get all your signs down. If you have any on private, on public property, because you have 72 hours, I think, until you get fined. Then public property, you you or sorry, private property, you want to go to all of the homeowners and capture as many of your signs as you can to recover them for, for next time or recycling or just not to annoy the homeowners. Uh, so very quickly, like October 18th is the election day, but as of the 19th, 20th, you're straight into cleanup mode. Mm-hmm. And the next, the way it works is... Um, so on the 19th, it's the transition day. So all of the old councillors... Uh, are supposed to have all their old have have all their office cleared out and everything done by noon, and then the new councilors move in that that afternoon. And the next day on the twentieth, you go into your first day of orientation. Almost every single day, we have either meetings, orientation, um, uh, kind of lecture format from administration, giving us the here's everything that happened in drainage in the last four years that you need to know. To also our partners, like the agency boards and commissions, we if you're appointed to the library or the police or another body or the River Valley Alliance, you'll have meetings, you'll have committees. Like the work does not stop; it is instant. And I went in, I think that two days later, and um, I already, you know, just had a stack of emails and a stack of voicemails ranging from uh, development permits to everything else. Most most residents, they don't care the election happened; they want service now, right? And and um, fortunately, there are some city staff available to help try and triage some of those concerns. Um, most councillors immediately after the election have the opportunity to hire one or two staff members who have a very small office budget to kind of resource and support the councillors. So um, one of the first things you do is start trying to, uh, I posted for 
I posted for uh, resumes. I, I, I had, uh, thankfully, somebody from my campaign team who took that on for me as kind of a HR person and just screened and recommended two candidates for me that I've I've now hired and they, they started in my office last week. But even then, they needed to give a couple weeks notice and to, to get ready. I mean, I would caution no candidate should ever be out there promising people jobs and you should never be presumptive enough to assume that you're even going to win. You should wait until E-Day, but you know, um, uh, you need to hit that. You need to hit the ground running. So it's just a very busy first month. You're in orientation. You're in constant meetings, and you're also trying to meet all those community groups. You're trying to meet the folks who connected to you, that worked with you. You're trying to thank your volunteers. You're trying to thank your donors. I'm still working through a a uh, 400 person phone list of people I need to thank for their donations. Uh, at least I can cross you two off. Thank you both for your <laughs> donations. Uh, there you go. 398 to go. And, uh, you know, anybody who supported your campaign, you want to reach out to and, and congratulate. So on top of all of this, um, my family, <laughs> we had a new baby in August. So congratulations, some downtime to, yeah, to help baby Marcus and uh, to help the family and also just to, you know, recover from the, the, the physical um, and the, the emotional challenges of the, of the campaign. It's an incredible experience. So all of the counselors were coming in. And then another complication is you're kind of working in the office, but you're kind of also working from home because of COVID. Like mm -hmm. we haven't been able to really have as many of those gatherings and get togethers that I think probably happened in previous years. Everybody's wearing masks. Everybody's very good about masks. Very quickly in the hallway, we realized that all 12 counselors have been double vaccinated and all of us are, you know, big supporters of public health initiatives. We just voted to extend the mask bylaw um, unanimously. So that's positive. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, COVID is a dynamic that I think is, is slowing down some of the, um, storming, norming, forming, performing cycles that usually happen in a new team. Mm -hmm. So just to, just to, just to, to rewind a bit back there. So election night, I mean, you won an election night the next day, like, do you just, as, as a new city councilor, do you just like show up at city hall the next year? Or do you, have you got a phone call or an email from the city clerk's office or something? Or, or, or do you just like literally show up to the front desk and say, you know, hi, my name is, my name is Michael Jans and I've, you know, I'm, I'm a city councilor and then hope they let you in. Is that, uh, basically <laughs> like, uh, the city manager called me the next day The I think I connected with the mayor that night. Um, the mayor has a meeting with the city manager the next day and then mm -hmm. council sort of, you know, pr proceeds from there. But, um, I, I actually went in the next day and, and, and the, the counselor whose office I was taking over hadn't finished, hadn't finished uh, cleaning it up yet. <laughs> and, uh, so I had to, you know, delay a little bit, but, uh, um, it, it's actually a fun fact. I have the same office that, uh, and the same furniture that counselor Henderson and then before him counselor fair had. So I have some of the original gene dub furniture in my office from wow. city hall, including the original Michael fair plant. It's this oh. giant plant that I think will look. <laughs> It's, it's like the, I don't know, like the, the uh, this historic tree now or something. So uh, um, there's a bit of a, yeah, so you come in and, and you kind of get your office set up and everything. But um, yeah, they get you a temporary pass. They get you a, your Google email account so you can start getting in there and start doing all the reading that comes at you fast. And um, one of the best things they give you is actually a, um, it's kind of a, it's like an unlimited transit pass. So cool. uh, a number of, this is a cool fact about our new council. There's at least three of us that are regular public transit users, users. myself, um, Councillor Tang, and also uh, Councillor Rutherford are, we take the bus at, or we take the train into City Hall. I, um, I'm a regular cyclist as well. So on the first snowfall, I was out there getting stuck in the drifts like everybody else. And that, that perspective of lived experience and being a user of city services, I think is, is, uh, is critical. And it's really cool that three of the councillors are, are, you know, taking advantage of the unlimited transit pass. It gives you a re, like, it gives you a much different perspective on the transit redesign when you're out there yourself trying to figure out new, mm -hmm. new routes, going new places. Um, another cool fact is I think four or five of us have young children where childcare mm -hmm. and school is a concern. So we've actually changed our terms that we're going to adjust our meetings slightly. So we will work from, you know, 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. take a break and then we'll go 7 p.m. till midnight if we have to but the five to seven hour is sacred that mm -hmm. means meetings no matter what have to adjourn at five o'clock because a number of us if we do not get to daycare to do the pickup by six o'clock or by 5 30 you could be fined you know like i think it's like uh ten dollars a minute or something wow. ridiculous right and it's not fair to the to the kids or the daycare the daycare sure. team so um 
for the first time, like a lot, a lot was said about the gender diversity on this council and the racial diversity, but we also have this childcare caucus that has put our foot down and said, no, like we will come back and go seven till midnight if we have to, but like the kids need pickup, we need dinner, we need bedtime, then we'll talk. So that's great. It's really interesting how we're, you know, we're, we're kind of changing norms around city hall too. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll be interesting how that, uh, how that, um, continues on when, uh, you know, presumably at some point we won't be under COVID restrictions and, and, you know, you'll be moving back more, more working from city hall or, you know, um, from, from instead of remote locations. But I think that's great. And that, I mean, and that there's a more, you know, generally a more diverse group of people, um, not only just from, um, in terms of gender, in terms of racial diversity, but in terms of their backgrounds and, and having, um, you know, having uh, parents of of young families on city council, uh, I think that'll, I mean, it gives you a perspective that, uh, that you know, someone with kids or someone with older kids might not, uh, you know, at, while they're sitting on city council might not be able to bring that same, that same perspective. So I think that's, 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 that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I know we have, we constantly have these discussions in political circles about how to make, um, you know, how to make politics more friendly and more, more adaptable for, for young families and, and especially, especially young women, but but young families um, overall. Um, and, and how do you make how do you how do you make politics better for for and, and more more accessible for uh, for people who come from those types of backgrounds? So we don't just have you know old white guys <laughs> on city council, which you know has been the case that has has been the case in the past. Um, now I wanted to talk to you about the uh, the relationship between the mayor's office and city council and or not necessarily just the mayor's office but the mayor and city council and this is something that that i mean the mayor is the is elected citywide um uh is the may the mayor is the is kind of the, the chief spokesperson of this for the for the city of edmonton the chair of city council um you know we all know emergent so he has been uh, has has been elected we talked about elected as mayor in edmonton uh, we we talked about that a, a lot on our previous episode um, but I'm, I'm more interested, I mean, I'm interested in, in the relationship between city councillors and city council and the mayor, because the mayor has a big profile and has a lot of political capital, um, but he's still one vote on city council. And there are 12 city councillors and one mayor, so there's 13 votes. So, um, and I know, you know, I know you've been on, only been on council for a month, but I was hoping you could maybe kind of talk a little bit about the relationship between the mayor's office and the councillors. Yeah, great question. I had a I had a constituent say, if you don't do this, I'm going to report you to the mayor. And I had to explain that actually, the mayor is not my boss. Like I, you, you, the constituents are the, are my boss. The mayor cannot. Um, there's like most things in politics. There's the 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 hard power, which you're correct. Every every councillor and the mayor has an equal vote, one vote each. But then there's the soft power. The mayor has so much more access to city administration, a much closer working relationship with the city manager. And um, there is a, a, like when the mayor speaks, um, everyone, everyone is more likely to, to, to listen and to put the emphasis on, on uh, that message as opposed to one or two counselors. So really, I think um, Mayor Sohi has really been working so far to make a, a very deliberate attempt to reach out to counselors. I, um, we've been, you know, texting regularly, seeking each other out at different occasions, um, making himself available as a mentor to to the the, the eight of us who are new. Um, I think I think we'll have a very collaborative uh, collaborative relationship. I think um, uh, obviously the mayor has different considerations than us. Has to manage a relationship with the premier, with the government, with uh, Edmontonians across the entirety of the city. Well, somebody like me is is um, of course concerned about those things, but much more primarily concerned with with you know the local constituency concerns in my own uh, in my own backyard. The mayor also has you know I I got a text message this morning about some cars that are parked in the middle of a bike lane on 88th Avenue. You know, so immediately I'm trying to deal with that. Uh, but um, the mayor doesn't have those sort of retail concerns to the same extent that we do. Um, so the mayor is, is freed up a little bit to be much more um, generative and strategic in, in, in his thinking about uh, about the needs of the city. But that being said, if the mayor can't marshal six other votes to get a proposal passed, um, you know, we're, we're going to uh, uh, the mayor, the mayor can't make action just like the rest of us. So we're going to see, I think, through the conversations going forward with this this budget and uh, working with working with the team and administration, how to what extent we we move forward at what pace and what areas and, and what that looks like. And the, the budget is kind of the first thing, the first big thing that the new council has to deal with, which is kind of, I mean, which is, which is fair because it's a new group who just got elected, but it's kind of unfair because it's the, you know, the biggest item and, you know, you're, 
your brand new counselor and uh, it's kind of the first the first big thing you got you got to deal with um could you i think maybe you could talk a little bit about the budget process like how as a counselor like how does the process how does the pro the process of 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 going through and approving the budget work from, yeah, from, great where, from where you are now as as a new counselor yeah, great question. So over the next month, we'll be going through a series of meetings and what we call supplementary budget adjustments. You don't start from scratch. It's not track one, side one when you get elected. And in fact, that you're inheriting year four of the previous council's uh, capital budget, operational budget, etc. You have an opportunity to make amendments, but it's you're basically playing the hand that the last the last council left you with. You don't get to deal an entirely new deck. There are some areas where you can make change, but um, fundamentally, the major projects that the last council committed to are still underway and still going. So um, there is an opportunity for, for public hearings to engage with constituents and to really, I think, try and set the ground for next budget um, when, you know, we're going to have our opportunity as this council is the class of, you know, 2021 to put our, our fingerprints and our footprint um, onto uh, um, onto this budget. So um, I think if if Edmontonians are expecting very radical change. I think they'll be disappointed because so much of so much of your experience is already fixed here. And that actually is part of a broader topic, which is what I'll call an administrative inertia. Um, administ administration is like a, a cruise ship that will keep moving in one direction along the water until it's told otherwise. So just because this new council was elected, doesn't mean that you know it's it's like in the provincial government where there's a wholesale mandate change and 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 movement that the the administration will keep moving in the direction that they were told by the last council and this is the this told. is the, this is the public service you're talking about right yes the public okay. yeah the city administration um uh you know we're a three billion dollar organization in the city of edmonton and uh um there's many undertakings from the last council such as they passed the city plan they they um passed a number of initiatives that administration continues to work on um, until this new council either says stop, accelerate, or change. So um, that is part of the work of the new council that we have to kind of um, collectively decide, do we want to continue doing these things that the last council was doing? Are there different things we want to emphasize? Are there, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting dynamic because if you don't have administrative support, you um, it's much harder to to make change. But um, I think the impression that there's a new council, things are going to change overnight. Like I was getting some messages about snow clearing or other topics that they just thought it was going to, you know, be a sudden change. It it won't be, you know, we need to, uh, we need to make those budget adjustments, program, program adjustments. And, uh, um, and that'll be forthcoming over the next few months. So next year's budget will start a new, a new four-year cycle. So yes. if you want to make for, for Edmontonians who want to have an impact on, or want to want to want to see, uh, you know, change or more or different focus on the, in the budget next year would be the. I mean, they could obviously obviously contact their counselors and advocate for that type of that change and push for that change in this in this budget. But next year would be the kind of the the real opportunity to make some wholesale change if if that's the way the direction things go. Yeah, and it's interesting. As soon as you get elected, whether they donated to you or not, or whether they volunteered for you or your opponent, or donated to your opponent or not, you start getting emails immediately from uh, all of the uh, you know industry groups, developer groups, all sorts of folks being congratulations on your victory. Can't wait to meet with you. And you're like, all right, okay, let's let's see about this. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's actually quite quite humorous um, yeah. in, in in kind of a weird way. Like the uh, um, just just that the. the Industry does not stop. Um, uh, the, the lobbyists, the business groups, the others, they do not stop. It's just new council. Here we go right into it. And similarly, I've been meeting with community leagues and other groups and saying, listen, if you want to have your voice heard, you need to be getting in front of the new council. You need to be writing them clear, thoughtful, articulate letters on here are the three things mm -hmm. we need this new council to do. Uh, you get so many emails as a counselor that um, very quickly, if somebody sends you a 10 page attachment, you may have time to skim it or get your, your office to skim it. What you need is, is community groups to send you clear, this is the so what, now what. This is mm -hmm. what we need to see in the budget. This is the change we need you to make to bylaw. This is, this is the action that we require you to make. The more um, people can be deliberate and clear, just like industry is, approve mm -hmm. our project, um, postpone our project. You know, uh, The more community members can, can work together um, 
to make their voice heard. I think the the better it'll be for for democracy across across our city. So um, one of the one of the most exciting things I did was uh, last weekend I, I met up with uh, one of the community leagues in my area and we just did a two hour walkabout through the neighborhood and looked at different sites where there's either um, cause for celebration or cause for concern and uh, just heard from the neighbors about uh, they posted it on their group and said, if you want to come with uh, Councillor Jans, meet at the cafe at 10 and we'll go from there. And That's great. it was it was really fun just to do an on the ground uh, uh, visit. But um, uh, just as administration will keep going with their direction. I, I also, um, you know, community members who are, who are expecting council to come in and solve all their problems. doesn't work like that. Like we, we need you to come in and help create the change and help create the push to, to help mm-hmm. get things done. This episode of the Dave Berta podcast is brought to you by park power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing that you are helping to give back to our communities with your utility bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Do you want to start your day informed? Check out The Pulse, Taproot's daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a little bit of whimsy from features such as A Moment in History and the Friday Podcast Pick. And it's all free. Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. Do you have any other tips for like to regular Edmontonians, how they can, you know, how they can cut through the noise? I mean, cause you, you just said you're getting, you know, as, as, and I'm sure you're not the only counselor who's getting, you know, tons of emails and tons of phone calls and, and people who want to, you know, want to, want to, uh, want to meet you for coffee or meet you for lunch or meet you in your office. Um, you know, how do, how does, how do regular Edmonton Edmontonians cut through the noise? Yeah, I think, I think finding, um, Finding a council champion is critical on an, on an issue you care about. So say it's a citywide issue like the River Valley, finding out who the councillors are on the new committees and who's, who's expressed or campaigned to express passion in that area, connecting with them and uh, working what we call the kind of the, the inside outside strategy. Like you can have the decision makers who are there at the table, but the more you have the outside voices who are coming in and lobbying for, um, uh, be it whatever whatever the topic that they would they would like to see change on the more you can have the outside voices helping inform and push the inside voices um the better the better the decisions will be made and uh that's uh that's something i've seen i've also seen that if you just write your counselor as one person on your block and say that there's a sidewalk issue um administration you know will take a look at it in the order it's received but i received a petition from a, a senior center with i think 30 people who had signed about this really problematic sidewalk that was leading to slips and falls and you know when i took that petition forward um admin got on it immediately they could see the volume of complaint they could it had clear specific it's not the sidewalk is broken it is this piece of sidewalk on this street you know in this area the more people can give you actionable specific um feedback is is really really important and my first my first question usually when somebody says there's a parking problem in our neighborhood uh or, or whatever the topic i my first question is usually, have you gone to your community league? Because if your community league is saying, yes, this is an endemic problem throughout the neighborhood, it's a lot easier to marshal administration to come and help and uh, to take action. And sometimes you'll have one person who thinks something's an issue, but everybody else is fine with it. And then mm-hmm. in that case, they need to talk to their neighbors and figure out a compromise for the community. So you were at, um, recently recently this week, the AUMA, or sorry, I should say the Alberta Municipalities, they've rebranded. They're no longer the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association. They had their big convention this week. Um, their big conference was a big in-person, in-person conference. Were you there this week? Or? Yes, I was. Yeah, I, um, that's the, I, was, uh, I was there for 
I had to step in and out, like having different meetings and things. Mm -hmm. But um, um, overall, it was it was a positive experience. The best part was we organized a meet and greet with uh, Calgary City Council. And uh, they came over and they sat in our chamber in our chairs and went for a little walk. And uh, uh, we got to know the Calgary councillors because as much as it is important to build um, um, with um, the region and the Edmonton region, it's also critical that we um, build relationships with Calgary City Council. And I got to tell you, they've got some very fantastic switched on councillors down there. Um, Mayor Gondek has hit the ground running. She's already made um, action on the climate emergency priority. She's met with industry mm -hmm. groups. I think for a while... Um, uh, Edmonton was the really forward progressive council and uh, took a lot of the heat for that. Now I think we're actually going to be kind of in the flying V kind of uh, drifting behind Calgary for a little bit, which is a, <laughs> an exciting position to be in. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was there and met, the, met, met many of the councillors from Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, Spruce Grove, all over Alberta as well. Um, and it's nice to kind of meet with people who have common concern. It was interesting. I was surprised at the absence of, uh, as this is a political podcast, surprised at mm -hmm. the absence of so many of the UCP folks. I remember back in the day, I mean, AUMA used to be the farm team. You you went to AUMA and from there you became a PC backbencher for life, right? And um, mm -hmm. uh, just even like the, I saw the, I think I saw the speaker there for a while. I saw a couple of MLAs uh, dr kind of drifting in and out. But the first hospitality suite we went to on Wednesday night, the first like, so, like, like gathering, um, all, almost all of the NDP caucus was there. It was like, <laughs> it was uh, um, wild and they got a very warm reception. It, it, it just seemed bizarre to me that the um, there wasn't more of a, a government presence. Um, I understand that the ministers did come later for the bear pit session. And, uh, but it, um, you would have thought going into a leadership convention, they would have been out here um, um, shaking friends and kissing babies. Yeah. Yeah, you think you'd, you'd think that uh, you know they would be able to uh, that that, that uh, pressing the flesh at a at a convention like that would be would would be more of a priority. I mean, it's maybe it's an indication to kind of the way the the way the political winds or the way the political winds are blowing this province right now that maybe uh, maybe it wasn't so so much a friend a friendly crowd. I watched um, I watched Premier Kenny's uh, um, uh, address to the uh, the AUMA conference, and you know he got some he got some some applause on on. Um, on some of the economic um, and, and business investment stuff. And I thought he had some, some good lines around, you know, the, the Amazon investment and the, the hydrogen investment. It's kind of like it was getting some reception or some, some positive feedback from the crowd, but uh, it seemed that, uh, you know, I mean that the, some of the stuff that he was talking about, about the creating the Alberta provincial police force and replacing the RCMP, you know, the new, uh, the, all the new um, the new paperwork that the provincial government is requiring municipalities to fill out. It's he's kind of going through that stuff, and you know that's not necessarily very popular. Uh, they weren't necessarily very popular uh, uh, decisions from from the UCP, and or popular decisions in specifically in that room. So it seemed like kind of a of a very mixed. Uh, I mean, obviously there were it's Alberta. There were a lot of conservatives in that room, no doubt. But you know how much support the premier was getting in that room during his speech. You know, it seemed kind of, and I wasn't in the room. I was just watching the video, but it seemed, uh, it seemed like it was a very mixed. I think it's I think it'd be polite to describe it as a very mixed uh, result. Well, a very and, mixed and response, at least. I would, I would agree, and um, I would say for those of you who are out there listening to the pod and working on your latest draft of the Jason Kenney political obituary, I would say put down your pens. Um, I, th I think Kenny is uh, has proven time and time again, like he. He beat Brian Jean. He's beat the RCMP or Elections Alberta. He's beat many, many other foes. And um, I think he knows it's it's choppy waters ahead through not only his own party, but but the next few months. But I, I, I spoke to many different uh, political folks from around Alberta, government relations consultants and others. And, you know, kind of being a little cheeky, I said, so who's who's our next premier? Is it is it Schweitzer? Is it Nathan Cooper? Is it? And they all said, nope, Kenny stays on. They they think Kenny stays on. And uh um, there, there certainly is a path for Kenny as bad as those polls are. People have to remember that, you know, um, look at the seat map and, uh, they have such a structural advantage in rural Alberta, then in Calgary, um, mm -hmm. uh, not, not Lee's, uh, riding high in the polls. And, um, I think, um, uh, you know, I, and I say this as somebody with relatively orange credentials, um, but I, I, I'm not counting out Kenny yet. And I think he could very well be our premier for, for much longer than uh, many, many of uh, many of uh, our listeners um, may be giving him credit for, and uh, I think the insurgency against him is—it seems to be a bit disorganized. It seems mm -hmm. to be a bit, a bit um, frustrated, but 
it's leaderless. And uh, um, I would say, uh, I would, I would say there's, there's a not, there's a, a strong possibility that Kenny remains our, our premier after the next election. So my message to all the lefties listening would be like, you're still in an underdog position. You got to get out there organizing. You got to get out there building your list. You got to get out there fundraising. And, and um, just because it looks grim in the media, I mean, look at the last election campaign. Kenny had basically 40 straight days of bad press and still swept through with a good majority. Um, a big, so, a big, uh, major- a big majority too. Like there was a convincing yeah. win. Yeah. And the fact that nobody significant in cabinet has really uh has really bounced him um that he he has the loyalty of cabinet I mean that counts for a lot. Um I did see actually um uh MLA Leela here wandering around um uh um a bit aimlessly through the through through some of the 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 it was a hospitality session and a number of people were going up to her and saying thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. But I mean she she knifed her leader when he was at 11% in the polls, right? Like it's, uh, um, it's, it's not, and, and there's no, there was no, like, like remember what it was like in the last days of Redford, like everybody got called into government house. Like there was swift change, swift leadership and cabinet had a new horse right away. Like mm-hmm. that's not happening here. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very slow motion, which is, which is really interesting. And you're right. Like, I mean, the Redford stuff kind of dragged out, but like when it hit the fan, it was like, you know, she resigned Hancock became premier and then they had, they went into a leadership race and it was, it seemed very quick at the end, but this seems like there's no, uh, it's not clear when this ends and it's not, and you're right. It's not clear if Kenny loses. Um, he's, he is the, he is, uh, he's very, um, he's an expert at, at maneuver in, in, in inter internal party maneuvers and the opposition does seem disorganized. I've heard it described. Um, one, one person described it to me as, Kenny has a strong grip on a weak caucus. So, you know, individually you have strong MLA, strong band backbenchers who are strong in their ridings and they're smart people and they're accomplished, but as a group, they're not really cohesive. They're most of the UCP MLAs are rookies. Most of them, this is their first term. They've only been MLAs for two, two years, two and a half years now. Uh, and, uh, and there's no real, no one has stepped up to be that, you know, the challenge. No, no one wants to step up. You don't, you don't want to be the person who steps up to challenge a leader because they're usually, that person usually ends up getting kicked to the side, right? Uh, and doesn't become, doesn't become the next leader. It doesn't become the next premier. So um, uh, it, it's a, it's an, it, they, they know, they, they know they're unhappy with Kenny. They're, they know they, they believe he's screwed up. And I think a lot of Albertans, a lot of Albertans feel the same way. They're angry. He's screwed up and they're mad about it. Um, and it's not just COVID. It's a, it's a, a whole bunch of things. It's coal mining in the Rockies. It's the new, new uh, educational curriculum. It's the, the war with doctors, the war with nurses, the war with teachers, the war with municipalities, the war with fake enemies. It's, it's, it's this, this, constant, uh, this constant thing um, that, that people are, un- that are making people unhappy. And then the economy and not being able to deliver on jobs, you know, jobs, economy pipelines, not be able to make things as, as, you know, as was kind of promised or insinuated during the campaign to make things go back to the way, you know, the boom times, the way they were before. Um, but I, but you're right. I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't, uh, wouldn't count him out. And I mean, you should for, for, uh, you know, new Democrats who are eager for the next election. I mean, you know, my advice is similar to yours, but it's, you know, always campaign like you're a hundred votes behind because, uh, you know, the conservatives are still, uh, uh, you know, even when they're down and even when they're wounded, they're still a formidable force in this province. And, I mean, you can bet that the UCP is going to be leaning very heavily on the federal conservatives and their organization too, going into uh, going going into the next election. So, and they're yeah, going to have so they're going to have so many like um, mercenaries they can fly in from other provinces to to help. They, uh, I mean, with um, uh, Aaron O'Toole still kind of reeling and and no real action at the Fed, um, I think there's going to be a lot of people who will swing in. And I think the thing for for people too is like Kenny came through multiple Harper minority government situation. He, he doesn't need 80, 80% to sleep at night. Like he, he can, as long as he can win the next election, he's fine. And I think the cabinet has all sort of like, you know, locked arms together and said, you know what, like we'll, we'll weather the next, the next bit, but push come to shove in the election. And if they can just secure peace with a number of those groups, um, everybody else will kind of go back to sleep and they can cruise in there. So, I am um, obviously pleased the NDP seem to be recruiting a number of um, strong candidates. There seems to be strong interest in many of the nominations going forward. So you're going to have a very competitive democracy from from the left opposition. 
Um, and so long as the right out or the right opposition remains in shambles within the party, I think Kenny still has a very strong path to victory. So uh, um, we'll be tied those who who write his obituary too soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, looking at the, I mean, you're right in terms of the just the the kind of rural advantage on those seats, unless there is a uh, a competitor. I mean, because the New Democrats are not competitive with the with the UCP in almost all over. There's a handful of seats in rural Alberta that the NDP are competitive in. And uh, unless there's some other party, whether it be the Waldros Independence Party or whatever Drew Barnes gets up to or whatever Brian Jean gets up to, if he doesn't, uh, you know, isn't able to run for run for the UCP leadership, um, you know, there's the there's a math challenge for, for the NDP. They really do need to run the board in Calgary, run the board in Lethbridge and pick up seats in 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 uh, in kind of the suburban areas around uh, around the two large cities and Red Deer and whatnot, and that's going to you know that isn't that isn't necessarily even if they're riding high in the polls now, it's not traditionally friendly NDP territory. And even when they won in 2015, you know they, I mean I they they won not with big margins. You know they won with between 30 and 40 percent in some of these some of these uh, these smaller ridings or, or some of these um, not smaller riding but ridings like like in Red Deer and what and and uh, and whatnot. And if it looks like Kenny's delivering something on the jobs front, be it Amazon, be it hydrogen, mm-hmm. be it whatever, to Calgary, and if you know a number of young parents like you and me, Dave, are starting to get childcare bonuses or not childcare bonuses, childcare subsidies, pardon me, mm-hmm. from uh, um, the ten dollar a day program with the feds, if it looks like Kenny can at all claim success on that program, um, it doesn't matter if the NDP are screaming all they want, saying you fought it every step of the way. If Kenny can continue to co-opt a few of these left family plank wins um that may be enough so mm. well and especially hungry, to get out there get organized don't yeah. get, like don't yeah. take this so you know don't read the polls get out there get into the neighborhood do you have 100 lawn sign locations go get them you know C- campaign like you're michael jans <laughs> campaign like you're a thousand I, votes I, behind i, I have to are. say i i didn't get a chance to door knock with you in this election michael but i door knocked you with you in the uh, in the 2017 election when you were running for re-election to school board and i have to say you were like the energizer bunny of door knockers you you uh you hustle like uh like i've rarely seen candidates hustle in terms of uh you know how you uh you run between houses and uh and uh and uh and just move it's uh you cover you cover a lot of ground but so i gotta I, uh... say i love i love doing it i as much as it was a tough election i met some fantastic people out on the doorsteps and it's interesting because i would meet young adults at the doors and they would say oh yeah i know who you are you were uh, my school trustee when i was in elementary and you came and spoke to my grade six <laughs> civics class or you actually helped us with a i met a uh uh you know and now these students are old enough to to vote for me and so it's does it's that make you feel old <laughs> I, well uh, yes but <laughs> yeah when i say i used to be student union president it's like yeah in 2007 i was i was in diapers you know so, <laughs> so my connection yeah it's uh but no well um I think it's going to be a very exciting two years ahead, but it it though the numbers may look Redford esque, the mm-hmm. the I don't think that it's an accurate. The battleground is not Redford esque at all. For sure, for sure, I I I uh, I, I totally agree. Um, I have some questions, a couple more questions to ask you, and we did this uh, we did this rapid round questions with, and I'm I'm totally springing this on you because I didn't tell you about this before yeah, we started no the, the interview. We did these read this these kind of rapid round questions with uh, with Amarjeet Sohi when he was on the podcast a few months ago. Um, so I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna start throwing throwing a couple yep, questions at sure. you. Okay, what's your favorite spot in the city in Edmonton? Peter Hemingway Pool. Okay, good choice. It's the pool, the sauna, the hot tub. And uh, I like orbiting between them. It's my it's my uh, uh, poor man's oasis. Okay, that's great. That's a good that's a good choice. It's a great it's a great facility. And uh, and yeah, okay, great. Um, what's your favorite Edmonton festival? Oh, um, I would have to I'd have to say Heritage, but it's a close one between Fringe and Heritage. Okay, those are good. Great. Um, what's your favorite River Valley Park? Um, well, the Mayfair golf course, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite local restaurant? Oh, I'm having it for lunch today. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Tongue Bistro. Excellent. And where, where is Tongue Bistro? Where are they in the it, city? It's, uh, it's on 109th street, right at the top of the high level bridge. It's, it's Tang Bistro, uh, uh, T-A-N-G. It's, uh, um, it's authentic Chinese. It, authentic like mainline chinese food and um yeah lamb noodle soup always hits hits the spot on a cold day like this 
Oh, that's great. I'll have to check it out. That's an awesome, awesome pick. And um, what's your favorite piece of public art in the city? You know, I'm uh, I love all of the all of the murals that have gone up recently and in the old Scona, in the old Strathcona White Ave area, there actually was a mural tour by Scooter this past summer. So um, I find murals are sometimes the most provocative and and sometimes the the relatively most uh, most inexpensive. But um, yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have to say the murals and would encourage your listeners to go check them out. Okay, that's excellent. Great, thank you for. Uh... Uh, Adam could probably link to it, but I think Lindork did a post with all oh, of yeah. the like the best murals and stuff. It would yeah. it'd be some good uh, show notes. Yeah, we will uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, I'll just write that down right now. Uh, murals, excellent, great. Um, thank you for indulging us with the uh, with the rapid rapid round of questions about, <laughs> about Edmonton. That's you're going to give me hard stuff like spay neuter program. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy the elephant. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, we can uh, we can we can do a follow up podcast on that. Um, thank you very much, Michael, for joining us uh, joining us today on the David Wood Podcast. Before we go, is there anything else that, uh, that you'd like to just to say to our listeners before we uh, we let you go? I really encourage you to reach out to the new counselors. We are incredibly busy, but we want to hear from you. We, we especially, if you're advocating for politics is fundamentally seven words, it's taking ideas and turning them into action. And how do we, how do we get that action to happen? It's with you. One elected official cannot, cannot move things. They, they need community. They need power. They need uh, citizens to come out and make your, make your voice heard, no matter what the topic is. Um, whether it is a spay neuter program and finding funding or whether it is uh, something to do with the infill development or, or the gondola project or the police, whatever the topic you care about, reach out to your counselors. I'm working on uh, starting what I'm calling these ward working groups where I'm going to have different people gather together on different uh, topics of interest and to figure out how we can how we can move things ahead because uh, um, you, the community members, can help put pressure on other counselors, can help all of us get to seven votes as a minimum for the ideas that we want to see. And um, I'm hoping you can link to it, but um, you'll, there's a, a list of all our agencies, boards, and commissions, like which counselors are on which initiative. Like, for example, I'm on the energy energy transition um, committee. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me. Another counselor is, say, on the, um, the transit commission. You're interested in that, reach out to them. Another one is on the police commission. Reach out to them. The more that the more that we can engage all Edmontonians in our civic government, not just at elections. Uh, um, elections are really a, it's a blip in the snowstorm. It's all of, it's the other 1,429 days left that we have before the next election that really, really matter. And that's where your voice is more important than mine. Well, that's, that's, that, that is a great piece of advice for us to, uh, for, for you to leave with our listeners and us to end, end this podcast on. Thank you very much, Edmonton City Councillor. Michael Jans for joining us today on the Dave Berta podcast. It's been a thrill. Uh, great, great, uh, great to talk with you today. Thanks to everyone who listened and subscribed to the Dave Berta podcast this week. And uh, a huge thanks, of course, as always, to our producer, Adam Rosenhart, for making this podcast sound so great. We couldn't do it without you, Adam. The Dave Berta podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Send us your feedback on Twitter and Instagram at at Dave Berta, we're on uh, we're on Facebook as well, or you can just send us a good old fashioned email at podcast at daveberta.ca. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again in a couple weeks. Yeah.